I'm Laura, aka Biceps, personal trainer and soon-to-be-published author of Lift Yourself, out July the 25th. I believe that discovering health and fitness, and weightlifting in particular, has the power to change your life. It did mine. I found the power of lifting weights completely transformed my own personal body image, from wanting a thigh gap to feeling proud of my strong and athletic figure. After years of crazy diets and not feeling good enough, I finally felt physically successful. And I can't begin to describe how empowering it is to pick up something you didn't think you could. That feeling of ambition will transfer into your daily life and will have the habit of making you feel like you can achieve whatever you set your mind to, if you put in the work and have enough patience to see out the process. Ultimately, I believe that strength doesn't come from what you can do. It comes from overcoming the things you once thought you couldn't. I'll be exploring this idea every week, celebrating extraordinary men and women who share their stories of resilience, lifting others, and the challenges they faced along the way. Welcome to Biceps and Banter. I'm super excited to be partnering with Fitbit for this series. I'm officially obsessed with my Fitbit from tracking my sleep quality every night to monitoring my effort in workouts and general low intensity activity throughout the day. I genuinely love the brand. For me, having an awareness of this kind of health data really does help me to lead a healthier, more active life, which is very important to me. I have found that using my Fitbit watch and having the app on my phone can help give you the motivation to track your movement and supports you in pursuing a more balanced and healthy lifestyle. And remember, if you're not assessing, you're just guessing. Okay, welcome, Michelle Elman. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. How are you today? I am very good and so, trying to squeeze in self-care this week. Like, because I think last week I very much let um, not eating enough, not drinking enough water, not sleeping enough take hold. And I'm like, no, I actually can't be efficient unless I take care of the basic self-care. This is a bit of a record for us now. So we've we've hung out three times in three weeks. I know. <laughs> since we first met just over a year ago at the Health Bloggers Community event. And um, we met in the green room yes. before we were going on to, to different panels. Um, so we were we were at a meeting with Women's Health on Body Confidence yeah. a few weeks ago. Then we met again at Women's Health Live. Yeah. And, uh, and here we are. So it's been a very busy few weeks for us. It has. And I feel like I keep bumping into... I literally bump, physically bumped <laughs> into you. That's the life. So um, before we just get chatting into everything, I firstly want to introduce you to uh, everyone listening. Because uh, first and foremost, Michelle, you're a body confidence coach. You are also an author. Um, you've done your own TED Talk, which I'm ob- obsessed with. I, I, I love those. Um, you have your own podcast, which is awesome. So I'm feeling like the amateur in, in this situation. <laughs> Hardly. Um, no, well, anyway, all, all the gear, no idea. Um, as well as managing um, very busy Instagram and Twitter accounts, uh, Scarred Not Scared. Yeah. So that's a lot. It is. It's a. It's one of those very millennial jobs where you have your fingers in all the pies. So tr- doing a lot of stuff, but I quite like the diversity and of it and also it coming under one umbrella of that. No matter what I'm doing, it generally is around body image. Yeah. And so I like that it has one common theme yeah. throughout all of it. But many different executions. Exactly. It keeps it exciting. Exactly. And, and on your toes. Um, so I guess that's, yeah, that, that is a lot, but first I just want to ask for the, for the guys listening, just a little bit about you and how did you, how did you get to where you are now? 
So I kind of fell into all of this because I, well, I actually wanted to be a psychologist originally. Okay. Um, and I decided that when I was 11, which sounds a little bit weird, but it's because um, I've basically gone through 15 surgeries from a brain tumour, a punctured intestine, an obstructive bowel, a cyst in my brain and a condition called hydrocephalus. And when I was 11, I was... Just had my 13th surgery and I was talking to a volunteer who was bringing her dogs around every week and she was a psychologist and she told me about her job and she was saying how um, she uses Barbies to talk to children about their feelings. And I was like, wow, I'd love to do that, but I want to help people around their scars. And it's so strange because it's only in hindsight. I was like, I always wanted that as my passion. But of course, like Instagram didn't exist. Body positivity didn't really like it wasn't a common topic. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, great, so psychologist is the way you do it. And I did a good degree in psychology. And then when I graduated, I got, like in the last few months, I actually got PTSD. And I found that therapy didn't really help me. Um, so I love the fact that you could talk about it, but I wanted to do something about it. And that's how I fell into coaching. Right. So um, when once you're a life coach, you get a lot of advice around the fact that like you can't coach people on their life. You should choose a niche. And so... I chose body confidence because that was the thing that I thought limited women the most. Yeah. Every time, no matter what issue we were talking about, whether it was their career or their love life, the first thing would be like, but maybe it's the way I look. Or maybe if I lost some weight, I would have a better love life or my career would be better. And I was like, if we're not even getting to the problem because we're talking about these body confidence issues, then like, why don't I just start addressing those first? Yeah. Um, so I was talking about body confidence a lot um, and I had start all the, started all these, like, business Instagrams and then one day um, I mentioned to my client that I had these surgery scars, I used to be really insecure about them, um, and she goes, why isn't this on your website? And I was like, well, why would it be on my website? My website's to get clients and my website's not, essentially not about me. Um, and she was like, no, it really helps to know you've been through something yeah. as well. So... I decided to start this campaign, Scar Not Scared, but I wanted to do it as a separate thing to my coaching. Um, And I launched it as a social media campaign and it went viral and kind of built the part of my job that I guess you would now call being an influencer. Um, And it really changed my mind around the fact that you don't need... I, I think because I'd grown up in the world of psychology, I was always like, you need therapy in order to change your life. Um, And then I found that people were changing their lives by literally seeing a picture of me in a bikini for the first time. And that's how I launched Scar Not Scared. And people were commenting saying, I'm going to wear a bikini for the first time this summer. And they were actually taking action and changing their lives off of one photo. So I started using that as my platform because I love writing, because I've always been a writer even before as an author. Um, I started using the captions and like maxing them out using all 300 words and talking (laughs) about body confidence. Um, and I just find that with all of these avenues, whether it's public speaking or um, writing a book or Instagram, the more conversation we have around it, the less shame there is around it and the silence allows that shame to exist. I completely agree. And so that's where um, I found the power in that and really started um, discovering the body positivity movement through my own campaign was that body confidence and body positivity are slightly different things. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. I think yeah. people get very confused. They do. Um, they're not the same. No. And you can be one and not the other. And yes. it can be different on other days. And um, we actually, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. So I would love for you to sort of share your, your thoughts on that. What What is the difference? So body positivity is a political movement that is for 
uplifting the voices of marginalized and oppressed people or people who live in bodies that are marginalized and oppressed. And um, it's addressing the stigma they face, the discrimination they face, the oppression that they face. Um, Body confidence, however, is your relationship with your own body. So, for example, if you're body confident but not body positive, those would be probably like those plus size celebrities that you see in the magazines who are very happy to go on the beach um, in a bikini. But if you actually interview them, will say something like, yeah, I'm I'm on board with body positivity as long as you're healthy, because they think there's a weight limit to respecting your body for example Um, and then there are the people who are body positive but not body confident so the people who are body positive believe that every single person is deserving of respect and that everybody is valuable like everybody is valuable and worthy Um, but they just might not be in a good place with their own body yet and I think it's actually even more empowering to separate the two because what I keep finding is people in my dms going oh, well, I can't be body positive. And I'm like, you can always be body positive. That's a choice. Yeah, and like that's a choice to decide that you're not going to cave to society's mentality around you have to be healthy enough to deserve respect or you have to be you have to look a certain way in order to be valuable enough to be even listened to. Yeah. To go against that and also to go against diet culture, which is another big part of body positivity, um, means that, you are inherently body positive. Mm-hmm. Um, and like that could be anything. So if you're a fashion designer, you are inclusive in the way you design your fashion or whatever it is. Yeah. That's being body positive. Being body confident is a step-by-step milestone, long road journey that fluctuates because you can love your body to death and then the next day get pregnant and then not be okay with your pregnant body. And that changes throughout life and you're going to have to change and adapt just like your body is going to change and adapt. Absolutely. I mean, it it can be quite confusing, all of this, because there's so many messages out there and I think one of the the most recent sort of public debates um, was around, and I know we've talked about this, was on the the Tess Halliday cover. And I guess from from where I'm stood in, in my career is as a personal trainer who I've shared quite openly my own kind of struggles with body confidence. Um, I am very body positive, but daily body confidence can be here nor there for me. Um, For my job, I would always hope that people would be in their own way in the pursuit of health. And I think there is this real confusion around what does health look like. And health doesn't necessarily have any view. You can be healthy, I believe, at any size. Yeah. Um, and I've talked a lot about sort of the, the indicators to health. And on that cover, I don't, my personal opinion is, I don't believe she was out there saying, yeah. be, it, it wasn't about that. It wasn't about yeah. health. She was out there just being, right? Yeah. And and that wasn't, I, I find the judgment was a little too strict because yeah. people were putting words into her mouth that she didn't, she wasn't out there preaching. Yeah. She was just on the cover you know, well, so what, where, where do you stand on this? I think the issue is that if you are fat, it comes into any area of your life. So I can do a public speaking talk on, um, so one of the things I'm trained in is neurolinguistic programming. I can do a whole talk on neurolinguistic programming that has nothing to do with body confidence, nothing to do with anything. And the first question will be about health. Right. And it would be like, it doesn't matter what I'm talking about. Even if a neuroscientist got up on stage and talked about neuroscientists, like uh, neuroscience, you question their credibility, you question their intellect simply by being fat. And that's where it's such a narrow-minded point of view because, as you said, health can look yeah. different on different bodies. I agree. Um, and it's most ironic, I think, when it comes to me 
because I introduce myself saying I've had 15 surgeries. And then when it comes to Q&A, I'll get asked, but what about health? And I'm like, well, would you ever define someone who's had 15 surgeries as healthy? But that's not what you mean. What you mean is my weight. And you will never think that my weight could be due to my surgeries, but you will always assume that I will have more surgeries due to my weight. And so there's this really narrow-minded way of looking at health. And it saddens me most because from my background, from my history, my medical trauma, I've done a lot of talks with places like uh, Teenage Cancer Trust. And I go and do a talk there about body image. And the Q&A is filled with, I don't want to take my steroid medication because it's going to make me fat. Mm-hmm. I don't want to, like, I'm worried about uh, removing my brain tumour because then I'll be bald and I don't want to go into school looking like a freak. Yeah. Um, and it's the fact that, like, if we take the steroid example, the steroids are making you healthier. Yeah. But it's making you into an image that society doesn't believe is healthy. And we all know how badly society treats fat people. So that child who has the option of taking steroid medication and has the option of taking the medication but being fat or staying the same size but staying unhealthy by still having whatever problem they had inside them, the illness. Yeah. They would rather have the illness. And it's been shown in studies. There are studies that have shown people would rather lose a leg than be fat. Wow. There are studies that have shown that um, people who had previously been morbidly obese, they would rather be blind than go back to being fat. They would rather use a, lose a year of their life rather than being fat. All of this is not because fat is inherently bad thing or being fat is a bad thing. It's because we know how badly society yeah. treats fat people. Absolutely. And that's the problem. And that's what we need to address because... This mentality that like body shaming people into thinness is possible is madness, frankly. Um, And what actually happens is body shame leads to weight stigma. And that leads to not only a worse mental health, which it should be obvious or um, common sense that like if you insult someone and shame them, they're not going to feel more positive in their life. But it actually leads to worse physical health. Yeah. Um, And... That's where it's just nonsensical and I think there's too much of an emphasis placed on the individual when it comes to things like obesity because we're not addressing the socioeconomic and the societal impact of things that the government endorses. And like they don't want to acknowledge that but then they want to push 100 calorie snacks and I'm like, well, that's just leading to disordered eating. So how is that going to help anyone? Yeah, it's it's so complicated and complex in its um, origins because... For you at the age of 11, yeah. to, to have gone through all of which m- majority of the people in the world will not have ever. E- 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 I mean, it, it, yeah. it absolutely blows my mind. Were you at the age of 11 ever conscious of any of these things? So I became, I started having surgeries when I was one and I already had a decent amount on my stomach by I was seven. Right. Um, and so I became, I. It's so funny because I remember there's a picture of me somewhere of me in a crop top when I'm like seven and yeah. I'm like, you can see it on my face. I'm completely clueless to the fact that my scars were on show to the world. Yeah. But I remember when I was 10 and I wore a bikini for the first time and all my friends had swapped over to bikinis and <laughs> uh, I like begged my mum and I remember she acted really weird around it. Like she kept being like, well, no, we'll go tomorrow. We'll go tomorrow. And then I was like, no, seriously. Yeah. I have this birthday a, a, party. A, year, a year's gone past, mum. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm really into this. Um, and so she was like, okay, fine, let's go. And we went. And even like when I was shopping, she was just like, are you sure you don't want this one? And suggesting the one pieces. And when I came out for at this birthday party, I was met with like looks of shock and pity. And so what I quickly learned from that was like, 
hide it, keep it a secret. You won't see it when I'm fully dressed, so let's just not talk about it. And um, it was only really an issue when I started dating and then or wanted to start dating, actually. Um, and so that's the only first time I properly started addressing it and thinking about, like, okay, hiding it is not the permanent solution. Yeah, and I, I guess what is heartbreaking to hear this story is that at that party at the age of 10... You went none the wiser. You were like, this is great. Yeah. I'm doing what everyone else is doing. And yeah. it was only until that external feedback yeah. completely changed the way that you viewed yourself. Yeah. And and this is, I guess, what we talk about in society. And, um, you know, the, the Love Island effect of that is put on telly as this is, you know, what you should look yeah. like. There's also that thing around, like, if you can wear a bikini or, like, you can strip down naked or all those things, you're automatically confident. Yeah. When I really want to remove the idea that nudity equals confidence because a lot of people yeah. strip down in order to gain validation or um, to prove something that's not actually within them. Yeah. And I've seen recently some sort of Instagram influence with a big following posting saying... I feel really awkward that m the majority of my photos are light-roomed to hell. Yeah. And it's not necessarily the true reflection of me, but the world in which we're in is that this Instagram life is is on likes. Yeah. We can now quantify how liked we are. And it's just one of those things that body confidence or body image for me is such a fluctuating thing. And... It's hard to share that via social media. Yeah. Because I think people think I'm just A-OK -okay all the time and I'm in such a better place than I am now. But no, you catch me on the wrong day, I feel rubbish. I think the main thing I found with body confidence is you just need to stop thinking about your body and it's so ironic yeah. because I spend so much time talking about body image yeah. and they're like but all you do is talk about bodies all day but I was <laughs> like yes but if you ask me what I look like right now I couldn't tell you how many spots I have on my face because I have not looked in a mirror today yeah. like I didn't spend one second on the way here worrying about oh what's Laura going to think of me oh she saw me last time she saw <laughs> me I had a full face of makeup and was ready for a panel yeah. like is she going to judge me now <laughs> or like does she think I'm more unprofessional those are thoughts that would, would occur to a normal person. All I thought about on the way here is all I was literally like writing emails on the way here. <laughs> Rather than spending the entire time essentially obsessing about your opinion of me, which is what we do, whether it's a date or a meeting or yeah. whatever it is, because you don't care that much about what I look like. And that's like the general you. Like whoever you're meeting does not care as much about what you look like as you care about what you look like yourself. Yeah. And the other person has their own insecurities or their own self-conscious thoughts going in their head. And like in this situation, for example, you're probably thinking about what we're talking about way more than what I look like or what you look like. Yeah. And that's actually what body confidence is. People think it's looking in the mirror and going like, oh my God, I'm so beautiful. <laughs> Do you I mean, not do that? I do that every day, no? <laughs> and like, I do do that because like that is just part of my Leo confidence self. <laughs> um, but it's not, that isn't actually the reality of um, changing my confidence level with my body. The reality is I don't stress about what I wear. I don't like, I was vaguely running late. So I literally just grabbed a jumper and like threw it on. I, I like didn't... that jumper. Thank you. It's a cool jumper, guys. Just so you know. Can't <laughs> but see like, it. It's not something I obsess over anymore. Like, before it would have been a matter of, let me choose something that's going to make me look as skinny as possible because I don't want to wear something unflattering and all of that. Yeah. So when it comes to fashion choices, and I do a lot of, like, fashion blogging, I guess, on Instagram now, um, that doesn't come into my thoughts when I'm choosing what to wear in the morning. It doesn't, like, I'm not trying to look as skinny as possible. 
I'm trying to pick something that I'm going to enjoy and feel good in. And so it changes your priorities in that way. Um, And the thing that takes longer to change, I guess, is the thoughts. But what I try to emphasize is that it's absolutely fine to have negative body image thoughts. I have them all the time. They just literally last for the like 13 seconds they're in my brain. And then the next thought is like, oh, yeah, I got to send that email. And then I move on. And because I've not focused on it, they have no time and energy. And the less you focus on it, the less they occur again, because 95% of the thoughts are repetitive. So how do you coach someone out of that? Because a lot of, you know, feelings I've had historically and I'm sure a lot of women can relate, uh, men as well, um, that sometimes you do have those negative thoughts. If there's an outfit that you think is maybe a little bit unflattering or you've got a big meeting or something, it does really take over. Yeah. And and it makes it gives you that kind of level of anxiety because you are worried about how someone will judge you. Yeah. How would you tell someone to battle that thought? Because 13 seconds, that's decent. She's yeah. like, I don't like this top, my hair's uh, and gone. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How, how, do we, how do we achieve that? Um, so I do a few things in my head and it makes me sound a bit cuckoo, but I'm fine with that. <laughs> but like, if, for example, I'm thinking about like, oh, my skin's really bad at the moment. Um, I'll be like, nope, we're not doing this. Like, I'll literally say in my head, no, we're not doing okay, this. Okay, not out loud. That's good to know. Sometimes I do it out loud. <laughs> because I work alone, I do a lot of this with work as well. Like, yeah. if I'm, like, struggling with a piece of writing, I'll get frustrated and be like, nope. Like, I, clapping is my way of, like, um, snapping me out of a mindset. So but, I literally, yeah. like, because there's a lot um, in tuned with our physiology, you change your physiology around something, you actually really help to change the mindset. So I've kind of, like... I just happen to clap and be like, no, nope, okay. we're not doing this. Like, <laughs> um, and then I'm like, I literally physically snap myself out of it. If you imagine all these thoughts in a car, imagine slamming on the brake and getting out of the car. So you can either be visual, auditory or kinesthetic. Yeah. Um, and if you're a visual person, that tends to help people. I'm quite a kinesthetic person, hence why I clap. Okay. Um, <laughs> and uh, with, with that, that helps. But the main thing is you have to undo the core beliefs you have. So um, for a really long time, I had a belief that actually came from health that I wasn't a good person because when I was in hospital, I was always told everything happens for a reason. Um, and right. I and it's meant to be like a positive thing that yeah. like, don't worry, you're going to get through this. Everything happens for a reason. But instead, I was trying, as an 11-year-old, you misinterpret it. And yeah. I thought that meant that I did something to cause my surgeries. Um, which is why I really hate this whole onus of like, you are responsible for your health. And I'm like, well, not if you get a cancer or not yeah. if you like. And because I literally have been ill since I was one years old, I would like, it would be silly things. Like one day I'd be like, maybe if I yelled at my brother less, I wouldn't get this ill or I wouldn't be in so much pain. Yeah. So I think underneath all of that, I had this core belief that I was in a good person. Yeah. Um, and I only actually discovered it by... Um, if you call me fat and ugly on my Instagram page, I really couldn't care less. But someone called me a bad... Like, someone was like, oh, you're a sellout. You only care about the money. And it, like... Wow. Like, for the first time, an Instagram comment actually... And I'd been online for, like, four years. Yeah. And the first time, it was, like, a punch to the heart. And I was like, what is this? And I realised that that belief was underneath all of this stuff. And it's yeah. why... um, For example, I'll overcompensate and try to, like, give someone more time than, like they probably deserve because I want to prove that I'm like a good person. I'm really good, yeah. Yeah, and I'm like a really forgiving person and I'll yeah. like, 
I'll be a pushover. It's fine because like I want you to know I'm a good person. Um, and so I had to really take that belief and go like, okay, behind every belief is a thought. So the thought is I'm a bad person. Then there's evidence. So what evidence have I found? Oh well, if I wouldn't have got ill if I was a good person, or um. Like, this can be a number of different things, and I can't really remember all of my evidences, but it'll be, like, for example, if I um, if someone doesn't want to work with me but they want to work with my best friend, it will feed into that. And so because you already have the belief in place, yeah. this evidence just adds on and on. And uh, I use the metaphor or the analogy of a tabletop. So the thought is the tabletop and the evidence are the table legs. But as that thought becomes stronger and stronger, there are more table legs that are added. So the belief becomes more sturdy. Um, And what you need to do is literally chop off the table legs and create a new table. And so what's the opposite of, I am a bad person, I'm a good person, and find a new belief and go, okay, what's the evidence for I'm a good person? I have people in my life who love me. I Everyone who's ever worked with me has told me that they've enjoyed working with me. Like, things like that, yeah. I use as evidence. And I'm like, okay, so when my brain tells me I'm a bad person, I could be like, that's not true, because <laughs> X, Y, and Z. And I She's have talking these- to herself again. Hey, Michelle. <laughs> exactly. One of the biggest questions I get asked is how I stay motivated to be active beyond my day job as a trainer. I need to ensure I'm moving enough and also if I have had a particularly active day, I need to ensure I'm fueling my body enough to perform. I can't talk enough about the benefits of managing your sleep and the quality of it. Going from a stressful or high energy job to having to wind down and get an early night can sometimes be a challenge and it definitely affects how I feel and how much energy I have the next day. My Fitbit helps me to track the various sleep stages I'm in, from light sleep to deep sleep, right through to REM. So if I haven't managed to get a solid seven to eight hours, I need to be aware that I might not be on top form for the next day. By tracking my personal stats through features like heart rate monitoring, active minutes over the day, as well as my sleep data, I have a much better understanding of my overall health. It's, it's true, and I think we, we forget all of the good things that we do and that we are, and we just lose it to one yeah, comment. Exactly. Or one photo that didn't get as many likes as you hoped, or, yeah. or whatever. I can't pretend to understand the Instagram app. Instagram algorithm but that's probably got something to do with <laughs> no it. No one does. I honestly no idea no clue but it, it's one of those things where if you're having a good day there could be one thing that just knocks you for six. For me anytime anyone has ever said a comment like that or made a comment I think I just have a part of me that goes like screw you I'm gonna prove you otherwise. Yeah. Um, I, I had um, an experience not too long ago when I started training for the marathon And as I was training differently, um, I started to lose a bit of size. I was losing a bit of muscle mass, which is, of course, going to happen. And someone came up to me and said, hey, Laura, you're they they said they meant very good intent. Right. But but hear me out. They said, you're you're looking much smaller. Hey, Laura, as if I was supposed to go. Oh, really? Like, thank you. Oh, great. And I went, you're joking. Where? And started like, look, I was like, what do you mean? And and some and a girl at the gym had witnessed this, and she was like, I've never ever seen a girl get upset that someone had said you look smaller. And yeah. I said, I, unfortunately, hun, that's not. I'm not that bothered. Yeah. Like if someone says you're looking strong, yeah, that'll probably be you know associated with I look like I've got visible muscle. And yeah. That's great. I'm like, yeah, I've worked really hard for that, so yeah. I'll take that. But actually, doing this marathon business, I'd lost a bit of what I'd worked for. Yeah. So I was a bit, oh, no. 
But I think it's one of the reasons why I talk about not uh, framing weight loss as a compliment in general. It's a really big assumption that any weight loss is due to positive reasons. Yeah. And it's because of the aesthetic and the beauty side of it that thin is better. But actually what ends up happening is uh, like one of the hardest memories I have probably with an ex was coming out of hospital for six weeks. And the first thing he said to me was like, you look so good. Um, And I was like, I've been in hospital for six weeks, not eating, wasn't allowed to have water for six weeks. And the first thing he said to me was like, you look so good. How did you react? Um, I literally was so like, it's, I'm not speechless very often, but I literally just like stared at him and was like in my head. I was like, "You're such an ass!" Like that's did he, all did I could Did he quickly think. become an ex? Yes, <laughs> right after that. And you may actually. leave. Goodbye. But it's, it was the fact that I was in so much physical pain, and yet all that was more important was that I was losing weight. Yeah. And it was comments like that, which like I literally was like, "What does it have to take in order?" for people to realise that health is not... And I was probably... I was 19 at the time. And even at that age, I didn't have the words for it. I didn't have body confidence or body positivity, like, as a word. But I knew there was something fundamentally wrong with how I was being treated and also the fact that... Like, I've seen pictures of myself. I wasn't even looking good. I was looking, like, hollowed out, as you would be if you hadn't eaten in six weeks. I was looking frail and ill. um, And I actually really hate looking at that photo of myself because I look so, like fragile Um, and you can see it in my eyes you can kind of see you know when someone's just like going through something you can see like the hollowness in my eyes and I was like that's not looking good that's just looking thin Um, and that's we just need to remove that connotation because I just don't think we should be commenting on people's bodies full stop and I get that it might be a compliment to some people but why not compliment on like if you actually know that they're working towards weight loss which is not something I promote but let's say it is um then actually compliment them on the like the determination or the characteristic that has yeah. led to that yeah. rather than the body itself and make sure you know the context behind it because like if you compliment someone on their weight loss and actually it's because they've been depressed for the last three months yeah. you're actually enhancing a really negative uh, narrative um, that like their bad mental health should come at the cost of their beauty so yeah I guess it's around celebrating effort not, yeah. not results. And I think as um, we talk about the fitness element of it, but sort of the, the diet culture that you touched on yeah. um, previously, there's so much information out there around, you know, if you do have a specific goal, so r- remove the why do you have that goal in the first place, but how do you achieve that goal? There's all these things around, you know, the macros, micros, the transactional approach to if you have eaten badly, yeah. Um, you should almost repent your your sins. Um, I, I'm a I'm a my personal opinion is I don't enjoy the talking about a cheat day. Yeah, because it tells me that actually this is this is just a one off occasion yeah. where you can be bad. Yeah, and actually then the rest of the week it, for, for me it's more around just consistently trying to be good to yourself. Yeah, rather than falling off the wagon a certain day of the week. I think we have to look at the language around cheat day as well because like a cheater is a bad person, right? Um, and we already talk about bad foods and good foods, and what we're actually doing is we're equating what we eat with our morality and uh, who we are as a person, and Mm. you're not a bad person for eating a donut, you're not a good person for eating a salad, Um, and all foods, like, this idea that, like, there are bad foods and good foods, I actually just want to completely remove, like, strawberries are not good for you if you're allergic to them, like, things like that, where I'm like, you can't, and 
again, one of my memories is coming out of hospital, I had an obstructive bowel, which means you can't eat any fibre. So I wasn't allowed to eat fruit and vegetables. Yeah. Um, and I might have pulled out my IV and walked out of the ward without my doctor's permission. You did, so, you did that? Yes. Perfect. <laughs> I'm, In I'm, search of some broccoli. Yes, I am <laughs> not a um, very good patient. And so I walked out and was like, I'm going for lunch with my friends. I don't need to be in hospital, basically, because I knew that my bowel obstruction wasn't that serious. Yeah. Um, so I was like, I'm just going to wait for my bowel to start working again. Like, it doesn't. I don't need to be sitting in a hospital bed. So I went for lunch with my friends. And when we arrived, I ordered, like, plain pasta with cheese and ham. And I said that, like, and I literally was like, I need literally this. And I need this plain. And I gave all the instructions to the waiter because I was yeah. like, obviously, I don't want to make my bowel obstruction worse. And that's all the doctor said I should be eating at the moment. And he literally yeah. said, like, pasta, cheese, ham, you can eat, everything else, leave it alone. Okay. Um. And one of my friends turned to me. She's not my friend anymore, but she turned to me and she went, Michelle, you've just come out of hospital. Don't you want to start taking care of your health? Oh, dear. <laughs> and I'm quite an opinionated person. <laughs> um, and I literally went like I, know you're, like, I know you're meaning the right thing, but why have you assumed that me eating pasta is a bad thing um, when actually if I ate what you're eating, I'd end up back in hospital. Yeah. Um, and you don't know my health requirements. You don't know what I'm allergic to. You don't know what's good for me. And if we have this mentality that like there are automatic good foods and automatic bad foods, mm. what we're actually doing is we're demonizing the bad foods and making them more enticing. And as you said, this compensating behavior um, around exercise, I think just ruins the joy of exercise. And yeah. like, when I say I'm anti-diet culture, I literally mean I'm anti-diets and I'm anti, um, I'm not anti-health, but I'm anti-health uh, in the name of weight loss and this like pseudo-health, which like... Got you. So for example, if you um, have your focus as health and you want to work out more um, and you work out three times a week and you go to the gym three times a week and you've done it, you've accomplished your goal, right? If you've got weight loss as a goal... You do those three things, you go to the gym three times a week, and then you step on the scale at the end of the week, that's a fail because you've not lost the weight. But how is that health if you've actually managed to do it anyway? You're getting the health benefits of working out. Yeah. You're getting the health benefits of moving your body. All you've done is create shame around the weight loss. And what's mo most likely to happen is you created this pass-fail mentality around weight loss. And because you've not achieved your weight goal you fall off the bandwagon and you do this yo-yo thing yeah. um, rather than focusing on health and realising that um, varying your diet, not restricting your diet, varying your diet has a benefit on health. Yeah. Um, cutting down on smoking, drinking, that kind of stuff have the benefit of health, even if your weight doesn't change. And it's also been shown to lower your mortality rate even if your weight doesn't change, even if your BMI, which BMI is nonsense anyway, but um, even if your BMI doesn't change, it's actually been shown that people in the overweight or obese category lower their mortality to the same level of regular weight if they um, have a varied diet, do moderate exercise. So it's not even like the three times a week, it's just moderate exercise. Yeah. Um, uh, they limit their drinking. You don't even need to cut it out and they cut out, you do have to cut out smoking. Okay. Then you you will have the same mortality risk as people who are normal weight, which again, I don't like that word. But the underweight category, no matter how many of those health um, habits you implement, will still have a higher mortality rate than both the overweight category and the normal weight. And it is the same side of the coin and people like to talk about them as two separate issues, is disordered eating and eating disorders. And when it comes to things like orthorexia, 
people aren't getting diagnosed because they are still being praised by society for the behaviors that they're doing. Yeah. Um, and for people who don't know what orthorexia is. I was just going to ask, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's um, people who basically uh, have an obsession with health so much that they... I'm not going to, I'm not, this is not the proper diagnosis. Go on. (laughs) But it's essentially people who like healthy eating to the extreme or people who overexercise to the extreme. I do believe in health, but the idea of health at the moment is not health. It's weight loss. It's, it's, it's a lot of it is aesthetics. Um, And once we remove that, then we can actually talk about health. Like if we want to talk about health, why are we not including illness in the conversation? Like actual, like not actual illness, but like, Illnesses like cancer or illnesses like we don't talk about that. Like you go to fitness industry things. When are they ever talking about apart from Women's Health Live? I did a panel on how to be an empowered patient. But like (laughs) apart from that, it's so rare. And the reason why I was like amazed by that when it came through my inbox was like I was like, I've never heard of a health magazine talking about this. Yeah. And is that not a part of health? Or are we just going to aim the health industry at people who are already healthy? Yeah, totally. And I, I, I think... I I in particular in the job that I do I'm very much surrounded by people who get it already. Yeah. So it's almost sometimes like I'm like why am I it's preaching I'm preaching to the converted here like every yeah. we all get it. Yeah. We're all doing our version of it and we've all had a bit of a journey in how we've we've got there. It's the it's the people that I don't get to connect with yeah. that you know we should be I believe we should be putting our energy towards saying hey you know wherever you want to start if it's a couch to 5k. Yeah. You know whatever it is you need to find your version yeah. of what that is. What I'm doing doesn't necessarily have to be what you're doing. And I think for me in, in my job, it's trying to encourage people to, for the right reasons, yeah. take their first step. Yeah. My friends used to make fun of the way I run because uh, when we were in school, I used to go running at like six o'clock in the morning before we started school. And you could see out the window to where like the pitch, like the lacrosse field. Yeah. And that's where I used to run. But I used to run like and change direction whenever I wanted. So most people who run would run around the fields and like in the circle that is like designed. <laughs> yeah. And I literally would be Not like Michelle. darting no, in thanks. all directions. <laughs> and I was like, but and then I'd come back and they'd all be like staring <laughs> through the window laughing at me. And I literally was like, but there are no rules and it makes it more fun and like isn't the point to have fun but most people who exercise don't think that's the point of exercise they think weight loss is the point of exercise and it is so sad to me because it took me going into hospital for that hospitalization when I was 19 to realize how fun exercise could be and like the silly things with my friend where he used to grab my hand and just start running um and I have so many great memories from moving my body now, but it took me literally being in a life or death situation to realise that exercise, first of all, didn't have to be about weight loss. Yeah. Um, and also that exercise, as much as there's a lot of conversation around body shaming in the gym, it almost becomes fear mongering because you don't hear the good stories. Yeah. Um, and I think, obviously, I'm only a size 20, but if you were size 32 and working in the gym... there's a risk of someone taking a picture of you or filming a video. Like, we've seen it across the internet way too many times. Mm. Um, And I get that why that's intimidating, but to those people, I would say, like, you don't have to go to the gym. Like, you can move your body in other ways. And I think as adults, like, I was the most active child. I used to do roller hockey and ice skating and ridiculous sports that like Same. don't happen here I had some really cool socks on my skates but it seems like <laughs> they just don't, like people don't like people play tennis here and that's about it yeah. but like in Hong Kong I used to do all these like random sports 
Um, and as you get older, you just think the only way to move your body is the gym. Yeah. And I'm like, no, literally, like, there's paddleboarding in Paddington. Go paddleboarding. Like, I'm so passionate about it because it was a part of my body positive journey. It made me really appreciate and respect my body. Yeah. Um, but it took, like, it literally was the fear of me dying versus the fear of me being the fat girl in dance class. Like, that's how much it took yeah. for me to actually get me to my first ever dance class. And then... Uh, in Hong Kong, there's a dance uh, studio called Funky Dance, and it's two hour long dance class, and the inst- wow. it's so intense. The instructor changes his top like four times in two hours because it's like, right. yeah, he sweats a lot. Anyway, I take my friend there because she's just moved over to Hong Kong, and um, it was like ten o'clock at night. We decided to go to this class, so it finished at midnight, and like wow. ridiculous. Um, and I look at my friend halfway through the dance class <laughs> and she's just given up. She's decided it's too difficult. So she's literally just dancing to the beat of her own drum. <laughs> she's not listening to the music and she's just like twirling to herself. And I saw her in the mirror and I was like, you are like the epitome of what I wish people did in dance classes. Yeah. Where I was literally like, go you. Like, I wish there were more people doing that. I also think if you look like you're having fun and you're like, because yeah. you would never be one of those people who like would be able to do that and then feel self-conscious about doing it because you just wouldn't do it or you'd leave the class. 100%, yeah. But if you can, if you look fun doing it, like, honestly, my <laughs> friend just made me fun. burst out laughing. <laughs> and then like, the instructor was looking at me like, why is she laughing so hard? And it was just the best. But it was like, it was one of those moments where I was like, I wish everyone had, like, that's one of those moments I was like, I wish I had filmed this and, like, yeah. shown you what I actually do in dance class and yeah. how silly my friends are. <laughs> um, because that's real life and that's, it's complete polar opposite to the, like, real genuine fear I had at 19 about going to a dance class. Yeah. And how I eventually actually managed to make it in there is I started with, they used to do 30-minute cycling classes. And I was like, 30 minutes, I can do 30 minutes. Yeah. And I only did it because my friend came with me yeah. um, and would help me to, like, teach me how to put the shoes on because that was the part I was like that's going to be so embarrassing if I can't even put the shoes on yeah um, I can't get my feet in the clips no. or get out it's it's the fact I tried number one number two it's the actual small things around the gym that pe- make people nervous it's that how can I put my like how do you, what shoes am I meant to be wearing like how can I what should I wear to the gym especially yeah. if you're plus size this it's so hard to find fitness stuff um or it's the fact that like you're worried about sweating in the gym we're not having these conversations in fitness because we don't talk about body image enough and we think that because we're talking about weight loss or we're talking about weight in general, we're talking about body image. But actually, like, if you ask most people who are scared to go to the gym, not the people already in the gym, what are you worried about? Sweat sweat will be one of the main things. Yeah, I agree, yeah. Um, Working out in front of friends will be another thing because even though I use that to my advantage because my friends are just like ridiculous human beings um, <laughs> a lot of people are actually more worried about bumping into someone in the yeah. gym um, and it's things like that which there's a belief that uh, fitness doesn't belong in body positivity and that we shouldn't be talking about like uh, well because we all like the main thing that said is like body positivity is against diet culture so people include fitness in that yeah but actually I disagree with that no personally. it's 100% wrong yeah. like fit, diet culture does not mean fitness number one what Body positivity is against, which is within diet culture, is the compensating behaviour for, like, going on the treadmill to burn a a chocolate bar. Oh, Um, I agree. And also the body shame language around the fat, burn that fat, uh, kill your workout. Like, can we not kill anything? Can we not burn anything? Like, the blast... I think I do say that. I think I say, oh, I killed it. (laughs) Maybe I'll I'll think about that again. It's, in general, there's quite a lot of aggressive language towards your body. So, And if, if... 
it was used in isolation, it would be fine, but it's often used in connection with punishing your body. And I think that's the general message. That's what body positivity is against. It's not against movement in general. It's against uh, the way that fitness is sold to us. And it's against uh, this that there is seems to be only one beauty ideal that works out or that like yeah. the fact that if a fat person gets abuse online it will be like why do you go to the gym well how do you know i don't already like yeah. what because you don't see results and so again results is another conversation that we need to have is that yeah you don't need to have bodily results on you in order for your workout to be valid because and especially because, like, internally, you're getting the health benefits anyway. Whether the scale moves, whether you gain muscle or not, like, it's going to be very hard to lift some weights and not gain any muscle. But doesn't mean... That like, is quite tough still, though. <laughs> but it I've been trying for quite a long time. This is as best as I've done. But it doesn't necessarily show in the same way. So, like, that's what body positivity is trying to change. And I, I think I really support that. And I think we should have that understanding of whatever your goal is, wherever you're at, whatever your motivations are... We should all support that. Yeah. And and that's what I, 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 I agree with you um, on, on that, that it should be respected no matter what you're trying to do. Michelle, you've been absolutely incredible. I love hearing you talk. You speak so passionately. Um, and I just think from your experience, from, you know, starting one of many 15 surgeries at the age of one, you have such a unique perspective on what health truly means. Yeah. Um, and I think people should start to consider a bit more, what are you working towards? Yeah. Why are you doing this? Why are you punishing yourself? And, you know, perhaps you can take from this conversation that when you do have those thoughts, those negative thoughts, what's driving it? Yeah. I'm going to end on a, a final a final thought. So Michelle, if you um if you want to check her out, she's as I mentioned on her Instagram at um scarred not scared. She also has her own book um called Am I Ugly, um <laughs> which, which is it will be absolutely a powerful read. So I I encourage you to check that out. And um what's next for Michelle? That's that's what I want to end end on. Oh gosh, I hate answering that question because she doesn't always, know what she's doing this no, afternoon. But well, that also, <laughs> like I don't know my schedule for next week. But it's also the fact that I become one of those really annoying influencers. Going, I'm not allowed to say. Oh <laughs> no, month. I've said that a couple of times, and I've annoyed myself. <laughs> yeah, it's just such one of those cliches, but it's true. Um, but I hope to keep writing. I hope to keep public speaking. Um, I'm going to keep being honest and <laughs> blunt in the way that I yeah. say things. And hopefully, like, I kind of want to get rid of this, like, love yourself part of body positivity because I don't think it's helping anyone. Like, if you knew how to love yourself, you would already. Um, but we need to, like, be a bit more honest and uh, slightly more brutal around the fact that, like, you you actually need practical tips and education around body positivity. We can't keep talking around it, and that's what I think we're doing at the moment. Yeah, a candle and a and a smoothie at yeah. bed might not help you love yourself. Self care is like a is like a <laughs> bubble bath, and I'm like, I don't even don't. have a bath. What about me? I don't have a bath. What about me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's very narrow minded. So anyway, thank you so much. And um, we, um, um, whatever the next project is that she's I'll not allowed to you again. <laughs> yeah, I'll see you next week yeah. at some point, or maybe in a year. But um, yes, wishing you the best of luck for the rest of your thank career. You. And uh, thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks for having me. And that's it, team. Another episode down. And as ever, I want to round this up with a final thank you to all the gang at Fitbit, because without the team there, this podcast wouldn't be possible. 
Using all the resources I can access with my Fitbit means I can utilize personalized insights and have guidance on how to improve my overall health and well-being. At the end of each day, I like to check my stats to just evaluate my day and gives me the reassurance I need that I am pursuing a healthy and active lifestyle. See you next time, team.